We've been working our way through the book of Daniel. We are now to chapter 7. I want to let you know that when you uh, finish up the first six chapters, there's a different um, a difference in the last six chapters. One through six was very historical. It was very personal. The last six chapters are very prophetic. Lots of symbolism. You're going to read about two horns and four horns and ten horns and big horns and little horns and broken horns and horns with eyes. The thing I want you to get from this lesson is there's four earthly kingdoms, empires. Each one had a beginning with conquest. They expanded with conquest. And they ended by being conquered. There is a fifth kingdom. That one is unlike the others. So if you want to know about ribs and goats and leopards, so be it. But the one thing I want you to get away with is there's four earthly kingdoms. They all had a beginning. They all had an end. That fifth kingdom does not have a end. It does not have boundaries. It does not have a language. It does not have a nationality. It does not have an earthly leader. It does not have taxes. It does not have an army. It does not have economies. What it has is it's got the Lord of glory sitting on heaven. And that's the thing I want you to get from this lesson today. Now, we're going to look at Daniel's life, and you're going to think, so what has that got to do with us? What we've noticed in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, Daniel conducted himself with the utmost integrity. He won everybody's respect except for wicked people. Wicked people hated him, but that's okay. Because he was more interested in what God thought about them than what people next to him thought about him. And that's the lesson for us today. Okay? So, with that being said, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Daniel? I'm going to be making a lot of introductory comments as we move into this chapter. But let me read the first two verses. I'm in Daniel 7, 1 and 2. That's all I'm going to read right now. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had dream, a dream and visions on his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told to some of the matters. And Daniel spake, and saw, I saw in my vision, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. Okay? What I want to do is I'm going to take a little bit of time. And I want you to know that the 12 chapters of Daniel were not written like the 12 chapters of Genesis and Exodus and 1 Kings and 2 Kings and Samuel and Judges and Joshua. It's not written like that. The first six chapters are very historical. The last six chapters are prophetic. If you notice that this dream that Daniel had was in the first year of Belshazzar, we just read a chapter in chapter 6 where it was the third year of a different king of a different empire. What it's doing is it grouped all the history together and it grouped all the prophecy together. Okay? So that being said, if you were wondering the order that the chapters were written... One was written, two was written, three was written, four was written, then seven was written. That's what we're reading right now. Then eight was written. Then five was written. 
Then 9 was written, then 6 was written, and then 10 and 12 were written. You're thinking, that, that's really strange. Well, it's interesting, if you were going to Gospels, sometimes the Gospels are like that. For instance, the book of Mark is very chronological. You can go and you can go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and I'm pretty sure everything in Mark is written that way. Sometimes Matthew doesn't write that way. Sometimes he'll write and he'll group some stuff together. Have you ever noticed that all the parables are all grouped together? Well, Jesus didn't teach all the parables in one sermon. He taught them over time, but Daniel, I'm not Daniel, Matthew tries to group them together. So when I'm looking at scripture and I'm looking for chronology, I go to the book of Mark. But when I'm looking for groups of subject matter, Matthew tends to do that a little bit more. So it's just, that's something that's, that's not uncommon in the Bible, okay? So that's the first thing I want you to know. The other thing is, is we're going to talk about kingdoms here. And I want to let you know, it's really hard to say when a kingdom starts and when a kingdom stops. Think about it. If Babylon was a kingdom, and you know what they do? They slowly gain more and more land. Well, when do you say the kingdom started? Is it when they got 25% of their property, or when they got 50% of their property, or when they got everything? And then when you say they started to wane, when do you say their kingdom was over? When they started losing a quarter of it, when they saw half of it, or when the capital fell? Do you understand? So how do you say when something starts? So the best thing I can do is kind of make a swag. Got it? And then there's another thing that's complicated when you're reading history. Is like, for instance, with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar started off, when we read chapter 1, Nebuchadnezzar had a dad, and his dad was the king of all of Babylon, and dad delegated a small province to his son Nebuchadnezzar, preparing him to become king of everything. So when Nebuchadnezzar came in and raided Jerusalem and took Daniel away, he was only the king of a province, but by the time you get to chapter 2, he's king of the whole shebang. Got it? Same thing happened with Belshazzar. Belshazzar in chapter 5, he was a son. His dad was the king of the whole kingdom, and he was in charge of a little province. That was the city, and his dad was in charge of everything. Then his dad died, and when we get to... Um, at the end of chapter 5, he's in charge of the whole shebang. So when you're talking about that, sometimes it can be really hard to give dates. And I'm thinking about my time and the studies, and I want to know, to get all that thing really precise, and I'll even think one more thing that blows your mind. Well, it blew my mind anyway. Did you know there's about four Dariuses and about three Cyruses? You're going, yeah, if you ever read that? And, and, and a Hesophel? Uh, no, 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 no. Um, has a ruas, right? There's about three of those guys, right? And when you're reading your Bible, the Bible doesn't go Cyrus 1, Cyrus 2, Cyrus 3. The history books do. So when you try to figure out which one is which one, I got to admit, there's a diminishing return in studying all that out. And that's for me anyway. And you know what I came to the point is? There's four earthly kingdoms each one had a beginning, each one had an end, but there's a fifth kingdom, and it doesn't have an end. That's my bottom line. So when we're going through this, I'm going to give some general impressions. I've got some opinions, and if you really want to flush all that detail out, I guess like we can tackle that on a Wednesday night, but I'm not going to do it on Sunday. 
Matter of fact, I'm going to prepare you. I'm not going to go through the last six chapters like I did the first six chapters. I'm going to talk about chapter 7, chapter 9, and chapter 12, and I'm going to be done, unless you want to talk more about it on a Wednesday night. Got it? So those are the kind of the big pictures. I, the the Myri, there, there's just there's just too much figurative language. There's just too much symbolism, and there's so much detail and lining all this stuff up that I just don't think it's profitable for a Sunday morning. You got it? So, so that's where I'm at. Now, whether you want to curse me or bless me, that's, you can tell me, you can do that to me later, okay? But, but that's, that's, that's my, my forge that I'm going to take, okay? So there we go. All right, so I want to remind you, because when we went through chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and it was still talking about those same five kingdoms, four body parts and five kingdoms. Well, chapter 7 is four beasts and five kingdoms. They're really parallel. And when we went through chapter 2, I said, I'm not going to go through great detail on that because we'll cover it in more detail in chapter 7. Well, we're in chapter 7 right now, and I'm going to give you a little reminder of this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, and he said, I don't know what this means. Daniel, can you help me out? And Daniel interpreted for him, okay? Here's, here's the dream. This is something we've already read about maybe a month ago. But I just want to read this because this is the same thing. I want you to try to picture it from the perspective of Daniel. Daniel understands. Remember this, this timeline here? No, no, notice what it says in chapter 2. Daniel got that probably about four years into his being in Babylon. And then about 60 years go by and he's going to get a second prophetic. This time it doesn't come through Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's dead. But this time, it comes right to Daniel. And, you know, it's real funny. The first time we, we, we saw this dream, Nebuchadnezzar got it. And he says, I don't know what it means. Daniel had to help him out. This time, Daniel's going to get the dream. And he says, I don't know what it is. And an angel's going to have to help him out. Okay? So, so it's kind of figurative language. But basically, the lesson is the same. Now, I want you to understand, this is still when Babylon is reigning when Daniel gets this. And he says, Daniel, you've been here for 60 years, 64 years, give or take. There's coming a time where Babylon is going to be over. But don't worry. Don't worry. Another kingdom's going to come. But don't worry. There's a fifth kingdom coming, and that doesn't have an empire. Do you understand? All right. So let's go back to this. We're in Daniel chapter 2, and, and here's the figurative language that Nebuchadnezzar saw. O thou king, this is Nebuchadnezzar, thou sawest, behold, a great image, the image was the great image, whose brightness was excellent, and stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. And the image's head was fine gold. That's supposed to represent Babylon. And the breast and the arms of silver, that was supposed to represent Meadow Persia. The belly and the thighs were brass, that was grease. And his legs of iron and his feet, part of iron and part of clay. Okay, and that was supposed to be Rome. And if you would go on and you'd read like 35 through 38, all that is interpreted, and I'm not going to re-preach that again. But those are the four earthly empires, the four earthly kingdoms. But then all of a sudden a stone's going to come. And thou sowest a stone cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them into pieces. And it says that stone would come, and a great big mountain would come, and, and all that figurative language is talking about Jesus Christ. Okay? 
So that was the figure that he got about four years. Is now he's probably about 20, 22 years old, somewhere around there. And he got that, and he's okay. I, I, I see. But try to remember now. Four, Sixty years go by, and he gets the second one. Okay, so let's keep on going. So now we are into um, uh, back to to Daniel seven, and let me start reading at verse three. Now, now please don't get. Don't get overwhelmed by this figurative language, okay? All the details. It's going to be explained. The first was like a lion which had eagle's wings and beheld till the wings were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth, made stand on his feet as a man and this man's heart was given to it. And that's all the description of Babylon. And behold, another beast, a second like a bear, it raised up upon its one side, and it had uh, three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said of it, Rise, devour much flesh. And after this I beheld another one, there's a, the third beast was like a leopard, which had in its back four wings of a fowl, and the breasts also, the foreheads, and the dominion was given to it. After this, I saw, by the night visions, I saw a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, it never really says what kind of animal this is. Kind of, when I read this description, I kind of see a dragon. If you see a big something else, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with you. Okay? But that's, that's how I imagine it. And as it had great iron teeth, and it devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the other beasts that were before it, and had ten horns, and I considered the horns, and, 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 and there's all that language. Okay? So, for those of you that care... I went out and found some pictures, okay? But that's kind of the, the first one is, is, is an image of, uh, of, of Babylon. And he goes into all the details and he describes it. And then the second was Medo-Persia, the third was Greece, and the fourth was Rome. This, this is all I, this is, I'm not going to spend, I'll spend some time talking about the detail because I want you to be convinced that scripture is accurate. But I want you to just think from the pure vantage point of what are the odds that 500 years before Hunt Hand, someone could come and tell the next four world empires attributes about them, how they would start, how they would finish, what their leaders' names would be, and what these countries would be called. You know what the odds of that would be? It'd be like taking a bunch of quarters, putting them two feet high over the whole state of Virginia, two feet high quarters, whole state of Virginia, putting an X on one, taking a blind man, walking up and having him pick out the right quarter with the X on it. And that's the probability of picking out all these five kingdoms and all the details involved. It's absolutely un unbelievable. These are one of the things that convinced me of the Bible's accuracy. The details that was written of human history hundreds and centuries before it ever happened is just absolutely amazing. This is an inspired book. Man could not do that. Okay? So, <clears throat> here's the fifth kingdom. This is the one we're in. Got it? This is the one we're in right now. And I beheld to the thrones were cast down, the Ancient of Days did sit, that's God, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair was head of pure whirl, and his throne was like fiery flame, and his wheels wheel as burning fire. 
a fiery stream issued and came from before him. Thousands and thousands ministered unto him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. And I beheld then because the voice of the great uh, words which the horn spake and beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season of time. I saw in the visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came from the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that a people and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. I share that with you because that's the kingdom we enter into. The kingdom we enter in now. So in, in, in kind of a sense... We have a dual citizenship. We have a citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. But we're stuck here on earth. And as we're stuck here on earth, it doesn't matter if I'm in the Middle East. I'm in communist China. I'm in a free America. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who my earthly power is. You know why? Because it's going to have a beginning. It's going to have an end. And it'll have a time when it's over. It'll lose its power. But there's the other citizenship I have. That will not happen. I will always have that citizenship. But I do have a partial servitude to this country right here. Why I'm in America. So what does that mean? We got to go to Daniel. Do you understand how Daniel operated himself with integrity? And it didn't matter if he was under Babylon or if it doesn't matter if he was under Medo-Persia. He still operated himself with integrity. It's interesting. We were just in chapter 6. Remember in chapter 6? They had 120 princes over 120 provinces. And above them they had three districts, three presidents over those three districts. You know, one of the main reasons they wanted to get rid of Daniel? Those princes over those 120, they were in charge of collecting taxes. And Daniel did it honestly. And the 120 had to get rid of Daniel because the king loved him because he did him no hurt. The 120 did it. We got to create a law to get rid of Daniel. But he just conducted himself with integrity. So it doesn't matter. This is going to be hard. I'm going to step on some toes. If you live in a country and it says the speed limit is 70, well, I won't get caught until I'm 74. Right? Who thinks like that? Yeah, okay. Thank you. There's one other person that raised their hand. Right? All right. Well, I'm going to claim all that money on my income tax. Just part of, you know, we're going to operate ourselves with integrity. Got it? But there are going to come situations like where Daniel, where they says, you may not pray to the God of heaven. 
That's the time where I've got a dual citizenship. I'm going to submit to this country the best I can in every way I can. But when they ask me to cross the line where I'm not serving the God of heaven, that's the place where I say I got to back away. And that citizenship is more important than this citizenship. But my point is, is we can conduct ourselves in such a way that our neighbors look at us, our bosses, our subordinates look at us, and they say, wow, there's something special about that guy or girl. You got it? So, so that's where we're at. Okay, let's keep on going. <clears throat> I'm going to keep on reading here. Now, again, I'm sorry if some of you really like this detail. I'm just not going to do this this morning. If you want to sit after when we're sitting in the, the cafeteria and we're eating our lunch and you want to talk about the details, I'll give you my opinion of what the, what the two the who horns are, the four horns are, the ten horns are, the eleventh horn. We, we can talk about that all day long. Okay? Fifteen. I'm in Daniel 7, verse 15. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body and the visions in my head troubled me. You know, <clears throat> As I read this, this kind of sounds like Nebuchadnezzar. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar got his dream in chapter 2? He was troubled. He couldn't sleep. Well, here's Daniel, and he got his, and it's a, it's, it's a parallel prophecy. It's not the same prophecy. Nebuchadnezzar's was body parts. Daniel's is animals or beasts. And, and when we see these, I don't know what this means, God. You ever read the Bible and say, I don't know what this means, God? Yeah. He needed help from an angel. Okay. Verse 16, I came near unto one of them that stood by me. I believe this is an angel because when you go through the last six chapters, Daniel has a lot of conversations with dreams and interpretations with angels. I think the one standing by him is an angel. And asked him the truth about all this. So he told me and he made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall rise out of the earth. In other words, just like in two, we're talking about four kingdoms. We're talking about four kingdoms. But we're talking about four earthly kingdoms. Okay? But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Just like in chapter two, there was four kingdoms, four body parts, and then there was Christ's kingdom. Well, you got four beasts, and then there's going to be a fifth kingdom, and this is going to be different than the first four. The first four are going to be earthly. The last one's going to be heavenly. He says, I would, need, I would know the truth of the fourth beast. You know, this is Daniel talking. And he says, you know, <clears throat> this is this Daniel talking to the angel. He says, okay, I get it. There's five kingdoms. There's four beasts, and there's four. But that fourth one is really bugging me. He says, that, that fourth one is, is really strange. And you, you know, part of me wants to say, well, Daniel, what do you care? You're almost 90 years old and the second one's just starting. You're not going to be around for the fourth one. He said, I still want to know what's going on with this fourth one. Okay. <clears throat> it was diverse. It was different from the others. It was exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and nails of brass and devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue. Wow. This fourth one, that Rome, it's really going to do a number on Judah. And you know what? They did, didn't they? Tore that city brick by brick apart. And the ten horns that were in his head and the other that which came up before thee from the three fell, even the horn and the eyes and the mouth were very great things. And he says, what's all that about? 
what's all that? And I beheld the same horde made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment had given uh, the saints of the Most High. And that, okay, I, I understand number one, there's going to be God's people and there's going to be a remnant and you're going to take care of the remnant and they're going to survive. And there's going to be the second one and there's going to be a remnant and they're going to survive. And there's going to be a third one. There's going to be a remnant and they're going to survive. But that fourth one, it doesn't look like there's going to be a remnant or at least that remnant's going to have a real hard time. Daniel asks, what's going on with that fourth one? What's going on with that fourth one? Okay. Verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth which shall be diverse from all the kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it into pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise and another uh, uh, shall rise after the sea. That Rome did divide into ten parts. Do you see that? And those are the ten parts that they divided. It's absolutely amazing at the accuracy of that. You remember when I was talking about those quarters over the state of Virginia? foot or two deep, right? What's the odds of the fourth kingdom dividing into ten parts and historically <coughs> that's exactly what happened. And you can just it's just it's just mind boggling. The atheists will swear up and down there's no way a person could ever know beforehand in this kind of detail and foretell with accuracy. And the answer is the atheists are exactly right. The way the atheists get around it was it was written after. I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay? All right, so let me go back. So, so, so I'm just trying to show you that the detail here is just unbelievable. <coughs> okay? So let's start picking up about verse 26. I'm in um, Daniel 7, about 26. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, to the saints of the Most High God, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed me, but I kept all manner. Okay? I want you to know that when I read this, and I read Daniel, you're going to hear all kinds of crazy things. There are four kingdoms. They were Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And then came the kingdom of God. It's not Germany, it's not China, it's not America. It's not Islam, it's not communism. Yeah. It's not a new world order. Those are the four kingdoms, and we're living in a time when the kingdom of God is available to us right now. Never get lost in that sight. That's it. Those are the four world empires. Countries will come and go. America will come and go if Jesus doesn't come back. We still have our citizenship with the kingdom of God. That's all we need to worry about. Got it? Okay, let's go back and try to convince you of how accurate the Bibles are. The first thing I want you to notice is I want to just do a quick little comparison of the second and and the seventh, I'm sorry, 
the first and the second dream, which are in chapters 2 and chapter 7. In chapter 2, <clears throat> the dream was to Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel interpreted, whereas in chapter 7, the dream was to Daniel, and an angel interpreted. In chapter 2, the dream is described from an earthly perspective. In chapter 7, it's described from a heavenly perspective. In, chap- in both situations, there was a pretty smooth transition from Empire 1 to 2 and 2 to 3 and 3 to 4, but the transition from 4 to 5 was completely different. Okay? Well, that shouldn't be surprising because the kingdom we have is different, right? It's over borders. It's worldwide. Okay? And then finally, both dreams described the last four empires. The first four empires is heaven and they're temporal. The last one is everlasting. And then finally, both dreams address five kingdoms in the same order, with similar characteristics, and with a similar end. So they're the same dream, it's just from a different perspective, right? You think, oh, how can that be? Well, in Scripture, we've got several examples where a principle is told. There's one time where a parable is told from the principle of three traders, one with five, ten talents, one with... No, one with five talents, one with two talents, one with one talent. And then there's another one time it's told in Luke from the perspective of tef, 10 pounds, where one pound, one pound, one pound to 10 different people. Same lesson, just from two different perspectives. Got it? So it's the same thing. All right. Okay, what I want to do is when I, I, I just, I want to go back to the quarters. You know, I'm a former math teacher. I, I think things mathematically. Just, just, just consider these numbers. Okay, in Isaiah 13 and verse 17, that was written in 700 B.C., it was foretold that Medo-Persia would subdue Babylon. That was fulfilled in 540 B.C. That was 160 years before it happened. So, So think about it. Here's Judah, and they're still free. And they said, you're going to get conquered by this country Babylon, and they're going to rule for about 70 years. And then after that, they're going to get conquered by Medo-Persia. Can you, can you imagine here? It would be like saying, okay, in America, in about 70 years, you're going to get conquered by China. And about 70 years after that, you're going to be conquered by um, some crazy country that didn't even exist yet. Do you understand? Do you, do you understand? That's just, it's mind-blowing, right? And he said, by the way, when Babylon gets taken over, some guy named Cyrus is going to come walking right through their gates. How do you know the guy's name was Cyrus? Right? He wasn't even born yet. Isn't that something? Babylon would rule Judah for about 70 years. You sure it wasn't 62? You sure it wasn't 79? About 70 years. And Babylon's conqueror would be inferior to them. That's why there's the gold and the silver. Yeah, they would conquer them. They would never have the majesty in the realm of you. But, but that's just mind-blowing. And this was foretold 160 years, 140 years, 60 and 60 years before it ever happened. Right? Okay, think about it. Okay, we're coming up. We're coming to the Super Bowl. And today there's going to be four football games. No, two football games with four teams. Right? 
What if I could tell you who is going to be in the Super Bowl next year, the two teams, and I could tell you the final score? Would you be impressed? Right? And if I could hit the two that are going to be in the Super Bowl this year, you'd say, ah, you got a, like, I don't know, you got like a 50-50 chance, something like that, a one out of four chance, whatever the odds are. You say, that's not too impressive. What if I could do it next year? And I could tell you the score. That's kind of what we're dealing with. And this is just the Babylon stuff. Okay, let's look at the Greece stuff. Or the metal Persia stuff. In Daniel 2.32, he says, you know what, you're going to be taken over. The Babylon is going to get conquered, and they're going to get conquered by a dual empire. metal Persia. How do you know it was going to be metal Persia? It's the only dual empire that ever did anything. And here it is, and it's going to do them. It's not even like they had an alliance when this thing was written in 600 B.C. In 7.5, he says, the empire would subdue three regions. And that's exactly what happened. When they conquered Babylon, they took, a, 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 they, took, um, they took Babylon, they took Lydia, and they took Egypt. It took three victories to claim that land for Medo-Persia to get all that land. That's what those three ribs are in that bear's mouth. When they get it, how do you, how do, you do that? Okay? One partner would be stronger than the other. And sure enough, that's what happened. And the empire would expand west and north and south. You sure it's not going to go east? No, it's not going to go east. It's just going to go west, south, and north. And that's exactly what Medo Persia did. Told. 89 years before it happened. Amazing. Let's go to the Greek stuff. In Daniel 2.39, it says, the empire's domain would be more expansive. In other words, there's going to be a third empire, and it's even going to cover more land. And when it conquered the land, it would do it very, very quickly. And you know what? They would have this king, this young guy. And he would, he would be really, really powerful. And they would be most powerful under him, but he's going to die pretty early. Anybody know who that is? It's Alexander the Great. How do they know about Alexander the Great? Centuries before he was born. Got it? And after his passing, he's going to have this no-account brother, and he's going to have two no-account sons, and they're going to kind of fumble for a couple years, and then finally they're going to take Greece, and they're going to divide it between four generals. What's the odds of that happening, right? Amazing. 229 years before it happened. Unbelievable. Do you understand the atheist said, no way could a man ever do that. You know, Christian would say that too. No way could a man do that. But a man inspired by God could do that. Right? Got it? All right. Let's go to Rome. In Daniel 2.40, they said it would be a strong empire and it would break all things into pieces. And that's exactly what it did. And it says it's, 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 it's at the end, it says the legs were iron and that's how they started off. But this, in the end, it said... Uh, my, the clay and the iron would be mixed together. And don't you know that Rome's management style towards the end of the reign is exactly what they did? When you, when you go read the New Testament and you hear about Pilate and you hear about Herod, what's that? Those are do things side by side, working together. Herod was a Jew. Well, he claimed to be a Jew. Politically, he wasn't. But they had this dual capacity where they ran. So they, they tried to do that. This is exactly what Rome did. That was their management style. The empire would be divided ten ways, and that's exactly what happened. And then finally, there would be some. This would be this eleventh horn that came out. 
And most people think that's the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church. And that Roman Catholic Church would take over three of the ten provinces. And lo and behold, the Roman Catholic Church took over three of the ten provinces. Just, just amazing. And there's the ten provinces. And then it foretold about Jesus Christ. Okay? In Daniel 2, 34 and 35, it said this kingdom's origin and manner would be different than the first four. And we found out that was the case. In Daniel 2, 44, it would be set up by God, not by men, and stand forever. In Daniel 7, it said be ruled by God, not by men, and it would last forever. And here it is in the year 2022, and it's still going on. Right? There will be a kingdom of God for our children and our children's children. God promised, as long as there's an earth, there will be a kingdom of God for our children and our children's children. They might have to meet underground, but there will be a church. Amen? 7.14, a kingdom without borders, without a language, without an earthly master. The kingdom of God passes. Now, again, I'm looking at it from this standpoint. Now, now listen to me. I do believe when we go through history, there was local churches in the Middle East. It didn't look like there's very many anymore. And then God picked it up and moved it to Europe. There it was. And there were churches. Doesn't look like there's a whole lot anymore. And I believe he picked it up and he put it in America. Right? I don't know how many are left. But it's nothing to rule out God from picking it up from here and moving it to China. I don't know where. Right? God promised that there would be a kingdom of God. He didn't promise it was always going to be in Roanoke, Virginia. If we get rebellious and turn away and get lazy and start stop doing things, he could remove that. But there will be one for our kids and our children's children. Amen? I hope there's one here. I'm doing everything in my power to make that happen. Amen? Okay. And all this was told way before it ever happened. Centuries. Millennium. Okay? So, that being said, I've got some concluding statements. You ready? But you ask, what about the two horns? What about the four horns? What about the ten horns? What about the broken horn? What about the eleventh horn? You know what the answer is? There's going to be four kingdoms. They're all going to have a beginning. They're all going to have an end. But a fifth kingdom will come that will be set up by God and it will not have an end. But Brother Dolph, what about the brass nails, the iron teeth, the fiery flame, the chafe, the pieces busted of clay and iron, the busted pieces of clay and iron. There's going to be four flaking kingdoms. They're going to have a beginning. They're going to have an end. But there's going to be a fifth kingdom and it doesn't have an end. Okay? But what about the three winds and the four ribs and the sea and the ram and the he goats and the rough goat? Anyone guess what my answer is? There's going to be four kingdoms each one's going to have a beginning. Each one's going to have an end. There's going to be a fifth kingdom that God's going to set up that doesn't have an end. That's my answer. 
The four beasts are Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Will there be other countries? Will there be other earthly kingdoms? Not worldwide empires, but will there be other kingdoms in the meantime? Yes. They'll come from earth. They'll have beginnings. They'll have ends. But in between, there's that fifth kingdom that's always going to be present. Earthly kingdoms? This is what I want you to... They begin by conquering, they expand by conquering, and they end by being conquered. That fifth kingdom, you know how it began? By a man going to the cross. He conquered. When he conquered, he conquered sin and death. That's how ours starts. Earthly kingdoms ends, but Christ will not. Earthly kings die, but Christ already died. We don't need to worry about getting a successor. Babylon, or Babylon had Nebuchadnezzar. He was a pretty good king, but he died and he had a bunch of no accounts. Middle Persia had a whole bunch of them. Some were good, some of them were bad. Alexander that died, he had a bunch of bums after him. And then even when they had the four generals, they fought amongst themselves, always fighting for more power. You know what? Our king's not going to die because he already died. And he already rose. And he's at the right hand of God, so we don't need to worry about successors. That's our, that's our kingdom. I'm not you, but that's pretty cool. And God's citizens are to conduct themselves like Daniel, submissive to earthly kingdoms. We're going to walk with integrity, but faithful to our eternal king. We're going to walk in holiness.